we are recording the one and only Dr. Alan Bain. And I think uh, when we first when we first chatted, uh, you're like, why don't you uh, you know read some of my stuff and see if you're interested? And I was like, well, Dr. McCullough recommended you. So for me, that is that is the that is the the eternal hall pass. You can't go wrong. If Dr. McCullough gives me the recommendation, it's just you skip to the front of the line. The bouncer lets you in. There's no, there's no vetting. Not that I really vet. I'm anyway. very honored. Yes. <laughs> he is my way at the beginning of the pandemic. He was my mentor back in November of 2020, where I had really two very difficult patients. And he walked me through the McCullough protocol for these very difficult patients. He's always answered phones. And I was just amazed. He's, he really is. He really is an angel. I mean, aside from being an absolute intellectual powerhouse, the guy just yes. he different he he talks to you the same way he he talks to the president he he gives you his full attention he he makes you feel like you're the only person in the room and he, he really is a he's a bit of a role model to be honest and I, I I love having him on here and he's he's put me in touch with so many incredible people really without even me asking he just throws them my way and I'm for that I'm eternal eternally grateful but because uh people want to hear about your story and and not the Peter yes. McCullough love hour. Um, Dr. Yeah, ben. no, it's okay. We can, <laughs> we can, we can pepper it up there. You know, um, you know, all roads in my life have led back to McCullough in terms of connections, just like you. Mm-hmm. So I agree with what you've just said we about got, how he's, yes, we got, we got to pay our homage to the King. Um, by yes, the, by the do. way, for anybody watching, uh, that's an awesome, what is that? A painting? Over here? Yeah, we've had, uh, yeah, we have four chihuahuas and that's, <laughs> A rendition of a chihuahua with, with with glasses. It's I love it. My new moniker. Yes, we love big dogs too. I've I had a a South African mastiff oh, uh, Diego. Wow. We love him so much. So yeah. I had a I had a I had a toy poodle for seventeen years, and uh, he was a yes. he was paralyzed from the, the his back two legs were paralyzed, and he was towards the end of his life he was deaf almost blind. And there is a, I don't know where it is, but there's a picture of me holding him. I'm on a four-wheeler, and I have him in one arm, and I have sunglasses on, and he has sunglasses on. He's got a little diaper on, and I can't find that, but that made me think of it. Um, but Dr. Bain, for my listeners, could you please introduce yourself and kind of give them the lowdown on uh, really that article you sent me about, about using ivermectin despite uh, everyone doing their best to uh, not uphold the Hippocratic Oath? Right. Well, back in 2021 was a very hot year for everybody. And uh, patients were asking right and left and taking taking the hospitals to court. And um, I was first interested in it when I found out that there were three to four cases in New York by Ralph Lurigio, who won these cases. And it, that was at a time in New York where the, the judge said, to the staff of the hospital, give ivermectin. They gave it. It's in the literature, two or three of the three to four of these cases, and they all got off ventilators with adding the additional ivermectin. It's like the icing on the cake, Tommy, you know. So then it came to Chicago, and I remember calling the office of Lurigio and you know, asking about it, and somehow I got into the into the into the into the stream in Chicago. So that's, you know, and I've been proud to say I was involved in three cases where I was allowed by the judge to go into the hospital and to give the ivermectin. Now, what's different about New York versus here is that the judges here 
they wanted the doctor to do it. They they did not want the hospital staff. Uh, they were fighting back right and left. The hospitals were saying, you patient, you lawyers cannot force us to go against our protocol. And what happened was some of the judges, one of them, who's one of our heroes, Judge Fullerton, he says, I'm not asked. It's in the litter. It's in his statement. I'm not asking you to comply with us. I'm asking you to step aside and and comply with a patient's right. Hmm. And oftentimes the one of the one of the young lawyers, uh, John Minier, he would say he would talk about the right to the right to try the spirit of the law that was under, I think, the previous administration to say you have the right to try. Now, there were glitches in that because it really was for a phase three trial, you know, but the spirit of that was put out there and it might have influenced people. Um, I can tell you that three or four of those cases in Illinois, we didn't win and I could not get in there and give the ivermectin. And unfortunately, they did succumb. Um, And we remember... We remember one of the cases in Springfield, I remember one guy saying, well, if you believe ivermectin is going to lower the viral load, then it's 12 days now, Dr. Bain. Why are you asking? You know, they were trying to use that angle and that stuck into me. We were going to lose anyway. Um, There's a story behind that. Actually, the guy is still living, uh, but we never got a chance to get in there. But anyway... Um, I found an amazing journal article that talked about the mechanisms of action of ivermectin. And there are 20, there are 20. I wish I can flash it up for you or have gotten that for you. There's 20 mechanisms of action. And I stated this in the court cases, by the way. And I, I flashed up the picture, showed it as as an exhibit, I believe, or at least quoted the uh, the researcher within that review article called Matsuyama, Dr. Matsuyama, who actually said in his research, it helps to reverse the stiffening lungs. Everybody in the hospital were looking at it blighted out or whited out chest x-rays thinking, oh my God, the guy's in trouble. The, checks, the chest x-ray, Tommy, did not reflect the actual ability to heal because it didn't matter it mattered what the chest x-ray looked like, but as long as you added ivermectin to the regimen, you had a chance. And so I got into the I got into the hospital three times, and there's a lot of stories I can share with you. What what were my interesting trials and tribulations about how the doctors were fighting back? That I can mention within this hour if you want. But I'm I'm happy to say these three patients are home with their families. And they were all on ventilators, and they are home now. Um, yeah, no, you have you have the floor. Please, please tell whatever you want. But hey, you got to think about that in a microcosm. Like if you, if you were able to do that, one doctor with just you know a handful of patients, and yes, it's you know it's almost it's almost beating a dead horse because it's been said so many times. But you really got to stop and think: how could this have changed the entire the entire United States and the world. I mean this this isn't a this isn't a trivial statement. This isn't a dramatic pearl clutching. I mean, we're looking at a million dead Americans. Yes, sir. 
how much could that have been changed? I mean, is it exaggerating to say a majority of them could have been saved? Is it would one percent of them have been saved? I mean, well, I I think back to quote our our dear doctor, it was it was Dr. Peter McCullough. It was all about early treatment. I remember writing to the Wall Street Journal in an op-ed or New York Times. Of course, they didn't get accepted. I'm just a little doctor here. But I remember writing, you know, um, when you go to war, to use some vernacular, all hands on deck. You just don't use a shot to treat a problem. You need your... You need your grenades, you need your submachine guns. I don't want to be gory about it, but you yeah, need sure. but but you need you need every possible way to win a to win a war. You just don't go a one size fits all, as Dr. McCullough and other doctors have said, Dr. Corey and all the other heroes. You know, you don't send somebody home and wait for somebody to get short of breath to go to a hospital. So ivermectin, yes, saved the day. It was the icing on the cake. But and and Dr. McCullough has always said in many of his in his uh, interviews, it's it's the multi drug approach. It's the ivermectin, the zinc, the doxycycline, and the you know high you know hydroxychloroquine. Okay, it's it's it, the vitamin D. Let's not forget that. I mean, we can go through that, but you know what I'm saying. And, and, you know, and he would argue it's no different than HIV. Mm-hmm. It's no different than cancer. There's always multi-drug modalities. So this is not a foreign concept to have a multi-drug modality. So, yes, you are right, Tommy, that with ivermectin and other agents, we could have probably, I think Dr. McCullough might have said that maybe we could have saved maybe four to 500,000 before he, maybe 200,000 before the shot came out. I'm not a statistician. I don't claim to be, but everybody, and even let me move to the Lancet article that everybody is saying 20 million people were saved. Yay. Cause of the shot. You know, when the shot came out, these messenger RNA devices, when they came out, but nobody talks about, and Dr. McCullough, it's in his protocol. Nobody talks about budesonide. Budesonide with Dr. Bartlett, what he was doing in Texas, saving lives all over the place with adding budesonide. And it has the stoic trial from Oxford. The sto- I believe it's Oxford. The, the stoic trial said you get them on budesonide every two hours and you have a chance. Again, early treatment. So this is a story of early treatment. And you're right in what you're saying about Yes, ivermectin is the perfect icing on the cake for these kind of things. Is there, and this might be beyond the scope of this conversation as you're a doctor and and I'm not a lawyer, but is there going to be any repercussions from this or is this really just kind of another sad chapter in humanity where we wring our hands and say the bad guys got away? Because, I mean, this is, this is insane. It, in 2023, in the last three years, that there was such a widespread, it's one thing to push a shot and it not be entirely safe. That's also just kind of the story of everything. Yeah, I mean, yeah, every people are always trying to make money. I get that. But you can, as I did, you can avoid it. 
I didn't get the shot. I didn't want to. People will, you know, you'll be you'll be ostracized, whatever. But you know, just stand up straight and do whatever you want. Well, Tommy, I'm the unvaccinated doctor. I'm in some of the literature already. I'm the unvaccinated doctor. Yeah. In the last case, uh, Doctor uh, Mr. Ng, Ng, and it kicked, went all over the news. You know, with Mary Beth Pfeiffer, great article she wrote about the case, the third case I had. But yeah. So, but then there's a whole other side though. And it's to not let people use a drug. That's an, that's an entirely different animal from pushing something. Because, again, you can just kind of hold up two middle fingers and be like, yeah, I'm not taking it. You're fired. Whatever. I'm not taking it. It's another thing to say you can't take ivermectin. And you could, I think it is under the Trump administration, the the, the right to experiment. And that, that idea had been floated for years about, I think initially it was it was for end of life patients using psilocybin to find some sort of peace about the, you know, the existential dread of of death and then it it kind of morphs into well if you are in like a terminal cancer case or whatever organ failure yeah why not you know if you want to if you want to throw the hail mary that it's your right you know you can try this Correct. experimental drug knowing full well that it might not work there might be it might even hasten your death and but that's kind of that really is between just the individual who's facing death no one else is going to that battle but them and then to but we're not even talking about experimental drugs. We're not even, we're talking about ivermectin. Yeah. This is it's like aspirin. This is, it, it's like penicillin. It's, it, it, it's not sexy. It's not, it's, it's not a new car. One it's can all, argue yeah. with all due respect, penicillin, we would never take penicillin away. And there was an article back, okay, it's old, 2008, that, that maybe 500 people, well, back then, that's what I saw in 2008. That's the years ago, I know die from anaphylactic shock from penicillin. It happens. Yeah. And we're not taking, we're not taking penicillin away. Yeah. Yeah. You know, uh, so yeah. an ivermectin doesn't have anything like that. There is nothing like that. It's safer. Technically it's safer than penicillin. If you think about it. Yeah. Well, I'm allergic to penicillin, so I guess it doesn't really work for me. Well, either. I know, but you're in that data. Exactly. <laughs> well, but ivermectin is safe for you. Yeah. You see, probably. Um, but I guess so as to steer away from just us speculating wildly, could you could you kind of maybe illuminate or tell my audience more specifically about just how certain it was that once you administered ivermectin, there was a, a dramatic change? I can tell you that, again, I want to couch this correctly. You know, when you're on a ventilator, you need everything. Yeah. You need the steroids. You need the ant the 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 uh, anticoagulant agent, you need the ventilator, right? You you definitely need that. And that's even in the early protocols. You know, you need your steroids if things get worse. You need, in the beginning, in the Delta variant, it was a clotting disease. Okay, but to answer your question, one anecdotal case, the third case, Mr. Ng, NG, I had to put the ivermectin down the g-tube that was already in place and he was at satting at 98 93 excuse me 93 percent and on 50 to 60 percent oxygen okay i saw for a 10 minute period that oximeter go from 93 to 100 percent for five minutes so this drug has amazing activity no it didn't last but we of course we gave it for five days and the interesting here's the interesting thing to to bring it home for your okay it's anecdotal it's one case so let's couch it correctly sure. 
The coolest thing about this guy is I was always warning them, you better tie his hands down. He's very jumpy because he's waking up, you know, because sometimes – and it don't mean tie in a bad way, okay? There was no suffering here. Yeah. But, you know, he he could pull the tube out of himself. Yeah. Well, he did. He extubated himself, and he didn't – and he was fine, and he went out to the regular floor two days later. That's insane. I'm going to give you one more insane. One other one? The second one, Leslie, I don't know if I should say her last name, Leslie P. Um, um, she was on her stomach. Remember when you have to prone people on their stomach to to help them on ventilators? I don't know if you know that. No. That saved a lot of lives when you prone, put the people on their stomach. Okay? And that saved lives reasonably. You know, she, Leslie was on her stomach for seven days, five to seven days, right? And seven days, I think. And I went in there, I gave it the ivermectin through the G2, calculated it correctly. Reason I said it that way on purpose. And the next day I came back for my second day, she was on her back. She was able to be on her back. One dose. Then two more days I gave it. And then there was a situation where the opposing counsel went back and says, oh, my God, it's lowering the blood pressure. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. They're slowing the. And the family felt battered. The family just felt really battered. And. And I said to the the, the POA, the, the power of attorney of healthcare of mom, Leslie, I said, you know what? We got what we want. She's on her back. She can be on her back now. So three days of that. And then, you know, it took a while, but they had to go to physical therapy and a nursing, you know, uh, an extended, just for a few, a, a week or so, two weeks. She's home with her 18 grandchildren, Tommy. Her 18 grandchildren and her six daughters. Her six wonderful daughters. So the New York attorneys, like I told you, there there was um, Beth and John and Ralph. They were they were the ones helping out from New York because it began in New York. A lot of this legal stuff, you know, you know, so. Could you, uh, for me, and uh, could you explain the importance of of being on your stomach versus your back? What what is, could you explain the significance of that? The physiology is a little bit difficult for me. I'm not going to lie to you. I know that surgeons actually knew that trick post surgery in certain cases, and actually a nurse. I'm going to give a, a shout out to a nurse. I believe kind of got the ball rolling back in when everybody was getting really in trouble. I think it put more, I think the positioning somehow made more aeration in the upper lungs, I think. I I don't know if that's physiologically 100% correct, but it it was useful to help people, you know, not need as much oxygen and to let the, it, uh, the uh, oximeter go up. Gotcha. But that was saving lives 
even before ivermectin, they would be on there for so many days and eventually, you know, good things would happen. Not always, but good things would happen. Gotcha. Tommy, it's still a battle. We're still in a battle. Uh, I don't know if you know this, but uh, Wisconsin went through a major Supreme Court, state Supreme Court battle, and we're waiting on those answers. So, and and to, to your point, it speaks to the freedom of the patient to petition for him or herself to get what he or she needs. So you were speaking to that. So we're praying and hoping that, uh, you know, and by the way, he's alive miraculously for other wonderful, courageous family members and courageous people. And in Springfield, we have courageous people. We have courageous people everywhere. Could you maybe speak to the, uh, I guess, I don't know how to word this, the philosophical difficulty of this. And like, I remember when I was in college, there was, I read some quote somewhere, and it was basically about like, like not everything's in a textbook. You know, your, your professor's going to tell you what class you have to take and, you know, what are the weed out classes for med school, blah, blah, blah. But no professor's ever going to sit you down and be like, and uh, after your senior year is when you should take off X amount of time and decide whether or not you're happy. Like that, that's not there, right? No one's ever, no one's ever going to be there for you. And it's very, a lot of these things you have to kind of learn on your own. You know, Bob said to do this and it's like, well, you wouldn't follow Bob off a cliff. And there are these you know, and, and it sucks because you gotta you gotta turn on your brain and start using your own critical thinking. But this isn't something that, I mean, this is a psychological test as as a doctor to go. At what point do you have to plant your feet and do what you know is right? The Hippocratic Oath isn't just some nice thing you say and you get your white coat and it's all you know mushy. Like, this is a what do you do when you're when your peers criticize you, when you're ostracized by the media, when big pharma is throwing billions of dollars into corrupt politicians and 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 hit pieces, and they're gaslighting, and it truly is a psychological operation on the public to to not trust your doctor, to not look at the the um, the conflicting interests between big pharma pushing out billions of dollars in profit for an experimental drug that they can only use because of a specific Goldilocks zone of legal circumstances, pandemics, national security, blah, 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 and not use this other drug, which is tried and true and is generic. There is a moment where you got to look at it and go, I know that everyone's walking off the cliff, but I know it's not right. And I don't care what anyone anyone says about that like can you maybe speak because that's not something you learn and i imagine decades from now all of this will be in some philosophical class in medical school but could you maybe go into that where you, you feel alone but you know in your heart that you're doing the right thing could you maybe go into i guess the struggle or difficulty with that um <clears throat> You mentioned so many bullet points. I'm going <laughs> to try to grab, go with the last thing and back into no, it. No, grab any of them. doesn't matter. All right. You, you, you touched on so many things I want to talk about. First sure. of all, you mentioned something that was interesting. Don't trust your doctor. Trust public policy. And I've been telling my patients who are healthy young people, some of them before the pandemic, I've told them, you know what? You are so lucky you didn't get sick from getting a shot, A. And I think it's a shame, there's one of my chihuahuas, and I think it's a shame 
I can't stop him. Oh, you're fine. Okay. No, I can't hear it. The the microphone does a good job of canceling it out. I think it's a shame that public policy has to get in between myself, right, and my patient. So that's the first thing I would tell you. Not allowing me to do an assessment, okay, of of my doctor-patient relationship, which is sacrosanct. That would be the first thing I would say. And this, the bigger horrible thing is fear. Public policy and big farmers created fear and gave us a one-size-fits-all idea. And I take offense to that, and that's why I'm happy to be on this show, because I'm an American, I'm proud to be that, you know, and I know these issues are beyond politics, politics at this point. And... I consider myself a free thinker and an observationalist. And you're right. For public policy and the government to take away my ability to see what's before my eyes is, you know what it's doing? It's making me try to make me doubt my observational skills. It's getting in between me and my ability to take care of the patients that I love and care for. And you want to know the truth? It's a sin. So let's go deep on that. You want me to go deep? I'm going deep. It's 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 political malfeasance. It's corporatocracy. Let's use that word. Corporations. It's making me wonder about my freedom in this country when a when a government is going to stifle me when a corporation, many corporations are going to stop me from knowing what I know to be true. It dishonors my training. It dishonors my teachers. I hope that helps a little bit of where you're leading because that's how I feel. And I'm very angry, as you can see. I don't want to get too angry. You're good. It upsets me. It upsets me deeply, very deeply. And furthermore, I'm sick and tired of trying to be Proving, how do I say this to you? Um, when you hear that ivermectin doesn't work or other things don't work, I'm having to have an, a governmental organization or a drug organization promote mythology. I'm an observationalist. I'm an empiricist. There was even a famous man Believe it or not, Tom Frieden, Tom Frieden, he was the head of the CDC, you can look it up, or the head of the FDA, and he said observational trials are equally good, almost as equally good as randomized controlled trials. So what are we all doing as doctors? We're observing. So think about that. A head of a department, who, by the way, is all for the shots, fine, that's his business. Frieden said years ago, observational trials are fine. So that speaks it that speaks to it on a bigger level, if you know what I'm saying. So there's a lot of hypocrisy, a lot of lack of sincerity, and I'm an American. And I and and I can tell you, the little I can do today, and I'm gonna tell you this, is my dad was in my dad and uncle were in WW2. My 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 uncle Sammy was a gunner. And you know what that is, I think. 
I think you might be invited, your family, you know, because I don't, my dad was, I've been told, I didn't go look in his records, but I've been told he was military intelligence in WW2. He's a hero. He took a hernia operation. He could have been, got out of this whole thing. So, okay. So, but it's, it's fighting for what's right. It's fighting for honesty, decency. It's fighting for not, it's, it's fighting for pushing back on mythology. The research is there with ivermectin. And no, it's not the panacea for all. It's, it's part of the mixture. It's part of the multi-drug regimen. I hope that answers enough of this question. No, it's, it is, it, this stuff is meant to drive you insane. Correct. That they want you to doubt everything. Because once you've lost your own grounding, then then nothing makes sense and you're much more malleable to coercion. But no, it is, they're driving you insane. It's uh, It's like if all of a sudden everyone in like, your, it's like if everyone in your house played a trick on you or something and they all, today's Monday, right? And everyone just started saying it's Tuesday. It doesn't matter how many people say it. Like, if you know in your gut, no, yesterday was Super Bowl Sunday. I know today's Monday. They want to drive you insane, and they're going to make fun of you for, for questioning it. And then they're going to brainwash some people, and some people are actually going to think that today's Tuesday and not Monday. You know, the deal is it's, it's, it's hijacking common sense. Another sin. You don't take a human being and hijack their, their intuition in their gut. I have a patient, two patients, but I have a patient who... It terrified her to get a shot. She never did because she knew in her heart of hearts it was wrong for her. And I, we need to honor each other. And I have a genius patient who saved his own life. He got a shot two weeks later. He didn't know about what you and I are involved in, had no idea what I was doing. He found natokinase, which Dr. McCullough talks about. I've been doing it for a while too as well, but he got the natokinase himself and he stopped himself from getting worse for from getting a, myo, a worsening myocarditis. Here's the tragedy, which speaks to what I'm trying to tell you. To this day, his parents, one's a nurse and somebody else is the dad, they thought he was faking his shortness of breath after a shot. So now we have family members not believing each other. That's the depth of this. They didn't even believe their own son that he was tanking. And I saw it. I asked him, oh, yes, my pulse oximetry is going down. When I lie down, I can't breathe. I wound up. He stayed on his natto. I added the ivermectin. And he's reasonably healthy. So I haven't. I only saw him just for a checkup. He figured it out himself. Didn't know anything about our move, our stuff. It was like, but here, to your point, it's your own family because of the fear. The whole idea of safe and effective. The whole idea of it's not totally safe and effective. We know that. It, it might have helped some people. Sure. Maybe. It's 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 okay. But 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 the idea is don't take away somebody's common sense. Don't tell them it's Tuesday instead of it it's really Monday, like you said. Believe your patient. We doctors believe our patients. The marginalization, even the psychological world, Catherine Parker's another person who tells me all about she's vax injured. She tells me all about how psychology people, 
are gaslighting and marginalizing people that are vax injured. This is really deep, like you said, when you spoke of crazy. So I'm speaking to all the things in different ways to what you are trying to intimate. We have a major problem. And all this came from, as we know, is Madison Avenue trying to tell us Tuesday is Monday, like you said, but it's really not. And fear. The fear has numbed people. The fear has created a schism. The fear has made it. Has made us not even believe research or be, being given articles that are not well done. This is a sham on decency, honesty, good research. This is a sham. We need to own up to these things and be honest. We need to just own up. The big organizations need to own up and say, all right, it was a pandemic. We all were afraid. Even Asima Holtra says, well, maybe in the beginning, okay, we're afraid. And we did all this from UK. But now, come on, let's look at this already. Let's look at this. We all need to come together. We're all po polarized. We don't need that any longer. It is. It's almost a, there's almost a beauty to the simplicity of like a lot of this can be solved, not to sound idyllic, but a lot of this can be solved just by admitting you're wrong. And it's, that's like the hardest thing to do as an adult is to go, uh, no one wants to, no, no one wants to admit, no one wants to admit you're wrong. No one ever. It sucks. It's the worst. There's nothing worse than going, you know, calling up a friend and being like, Hey, uh, I got way too drunk last night and I was being a dick. I'm sorry. And just own it up. And, but once you do that, the, any good, of, no, you're good. The lack of humility and humbleness is ridiculous. Yeah. I have a dear I have I have dear friends who are geniuses who know data better than me better than I and they'll say because of the shot you know we saved millions of lives I'm not a statistician sure. and and I'm like Switzerland let me explain I'm like okay you geniuses who said the shot was the greatest thing and saved the world okay fine but I don't see the geniuses on our side, Tommy, talking to the geniuses on the other side. Because at the end of the day, it's all about being right, but not doing the right thing. And we are not doing the right thing by having humility, by saying, hey, I was drunk. I'm sorry. We're not doing the right thing by, by we're not talking to each other. The geniuses in the research on one side versus the other. Shame on this world and shame on these experts because they're not experts if they don't have humility and common sense. Shame on them all. Shame on them. And then you kind of have the realization that there's nothing to do but to, to lead by example. You know, we, right. can, we can point at what should and, you know, woulda, coulda, shoulda. But ultimately, it's, you go... Man, if we all just realized we got too drunk last night and we're being mean, and then it dawns on you, you go, I can't depend on anyone else to say that. I have to own up, and hey, I, I was wrong. And there's a piece in that, because there's really nothing else you can do. You do that, and you kind of wash your hands of it. And you go, I'm, I'm going to try to do the right thing. I was wrong. And there's a piece in that. There's a piece in doing your part and and yeah like back to the shots yeah i'm not a statistician i'm not a i'm not a doctor i don't if you want to go get the shot go get 10 boosters i don't care go do whatever godspeed go wild put them in your eyes i don't care go nuts but 
to withhold treatment from from people. That's sin. It's a sin. I'll say it out loud. It's a sin. And it's, it's public health sin. It's corporate sin. And I'm not a big religious guy. I just love people and have common sense. Meaning I'm not like trying right. to talk. You know what I'm trying yeah, to say. I got you. And in my religion, sin means it's totally off the mark. That's how it's originally designed to say. Totally off the mark. It's all, And it's it's cowardice. It's cowardice to not point it out. If you if you know, if you if you can feel it, and you might think, oh well, you know, I'm a, I'm an air conditioner repairman. This isn't my business. If you know in your gut, like, hey man, these corporations, which over decades, time and time again, have shown to, to push dangerous products, and then they pay for a lawsuit quietly a decade later. If you know that they're making money, and you know that they're suppressing the thing that doesn't make money, if you know that, it's just as an as a rational adult on this planet in this year with functioning eyes and ears and a brain and you don't point it out that is cowardice and there is the the burden is on your shoulders if you know it's wrong you don't say anything because this is different in that this is a, this is affected us all it's not it's not some distant political scandal or skirmish on the other side of the planet and you go well you know what what am i going to do about russia and ukraine i'm here in maine doing a pot like what am i going to do but it's something else when it's coming to your doorstep. And yeah, you maybe you aren't a doctor and you maybe you do work at Smoothie King, but if your employer is requiring you to get this shot in order for you to keep making money, hey man, it's here. It's on your it come it came to your doorstep. And to to not say anything and to just go along with the crowd because go along to get along. That is cowardice, and it is on you. And I don't think anyone uh I think the question's been answered. When you look back at, I don't know, 1933 Germany, you go, how did it happen? I think we all just saw how it happened, right? I think we all just saw how it happened. It is, uh, like, I, I, when I, got, I got my tonsils out in April 20, no, March 2014. And uh, I've, I, I'd always wondered, like, how do, like, you know, it's one thing if you see, like, a poor homeless, you know, bastard who's had a tough life and he gets on drugs. You kind of get it. But I've always wondered, like, how do, how do, like, you know, professionals and educated men get addicted to pills? And I was on Vicodin for a month. And it was it was to get rid of the pain. But And then when I ran out, there was a couple days of anxiety, insomnia. And I remember just, I went, oh, that's how it happens. I get it. I think we just saw how 1933 Germany happened. We all just saw firsthand how does an educated populace, as Dr. Malone says, go barking mad. Well, we just saw it. It's gaslighting and it's cowardice. And you go along to get along. And, and then a travesty happens. And 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 how fear numbs you, colors you, makes you not listen to your own son that you were that 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 he got sick from a shot. Hmm. Minimizing your own blood. Your neighbor, somebody's neck, you won't even, you know, everybody, nobody, nobody's caring about anybody anymore. It's, we, we have a lot of healing to do, Tommy. We have a lot of healing to do. And people like Dr. And I didn't mention him, Dr. Paul Merrick. And I think of McCullough and Merrick, and I'm sure there were others, but I think of these two doctors and I've mentioned the others, but I want to make a point. 
I saw them in their respective, whether it was a, uh, a testifying hearing or whatever, or with Ron Johnson, I, I saw them tear up and cry because they love humanity. They love their patients. We're losing humanity a little bit here. This is another plea because, pardon the dogs there. No, you're fine. I can't hear them. Okay. We're, 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 we're losing humanity here. When, when your young doctors in hospitals, back to the hospitals that were doing remdesivir, we have some great heroes working on finding out all the travesties of remdesivir uh, from the former feds group. We, we have young doctors doing protocol medicine. So that goes back to your other point, sir, you know, Tommy, it's, you can't look at a patient through protocol eyes only. You've got to observe and see what's going on. My nurse, Kat, Catherine Lamont, she went into houses because I didn't tell you part of this story that I was taking care of patients who were afraid to go to the hospital because they were afraid to get remdesivir. And you know that whole story probably mm -hmm. of that. The big fear was don't give fluids because it goes to the lungs, the COVID, and oh my God, you're going to get worse if you give fluids. The fact of the matter is it was the wrong thing to do if you have good lung function, not heart failure patients, of course. It was the wrong thing to do. You know, Tommy, when your loved ones had the flu so bad, they had to get a liter of fluids. They went to the ER, remember? You, you've seen this, right? Fluids. This is going to blow the audience away. I never mentioned it. My, with me, we were working together, patients at home, we, give the, we gave them IV fluids. They're in really, really high dose of oxygen and satting at 91%. They got one liter of normal saline. Their pulse ox went up with just normal saline, Tommy. Giving fluids, basics. What's the point? The fear, we lost the basics. There are groups saying, well, it was a plan to dry everybody out and this was just a plan to, all right, I don't want to go there, but you know, hospital after hospital, we're drying everybody out on purpose. I can't speak to that. I can say protocol, ignorance, fear, young doctors not using their senses and their natural observational skills allowed this kind of death in hospitals to occur, not giving fluids. Tommy, simple things simple things. I remember even asking Corey or McCullough, hey, the pulse ox went up by just giving fluids at home. Basics, Tommy, basics. It's incredible. So did the nurses in the ERs, who they happen to give, they're like, they're following rules. They didn't go, hey, doc, I don't know what they did. They could have said, hey, well, hey, you know, the pulse ox went up. We gave fluids. Look at that. Nobody, I don't, I, I look, I don't talk to hospitals, but it was, it was amazing. My, my nurse who went into a hero, another hero who went into COVID homes. I was doing it from a distance, guiding her. And we saw amazing things. And we kept people out of hospitals, some of the real bad ones, by giving IV steroids. And some of the, you know, IV steroids and IV fluids kept people out of hospitals. And you needed those things, not just ivermectin. You needed everything. Is there any silver lining to all of this? Like, are we, 
are people going to be more skeptical in the future? Are they going to maybe not take the fear bait so easily? Like, did we, like, did we learn something? Is it, is it all in vain or are we going to look back and, you know, look at the greatest generation? Like, why are they the greatest? Great de- World War One, Great Depression, Dust Bowl, World War Two. Those suck. You know, but I'm, you made I, the greatest I, generation. I don't, you know, it's so we 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 did we did the shit. Are we going to get a greatest something out of it? Well, we all have to step up. And you know, I was raised in the Jewish culture, but I'll never forget what keeps coming in my mind with Christian folks and or Catholic. Which you know what I'm saying. There's sure. sometimes a little difference. When you hear this idea of, I'm not getting religious, I'm putting what we learned or what I'm talking about into, would like to share with you, to speak to your point, Tommy. And that is, and you've heard of this, the meek shall inherit the earth. Mm-hmm. Well, it's time when you said what you said to call in our chips and to hold doctors accountable, drug companies accountable, government's accountable and it's going to take all of us to really the little guy the little the the little the, the little boy the little girl adult i'm saying you know us little guys and girls little boys i'm a little boy doctor you know i'm minimize the little guy on the block and the reason i made it little and i'm glad and it's not minimizing women or men is because the honesty of a child is powerful so I'm glad I used that metaphor, Tommy. The honesty of our child ego state, which I was taught by very, you know, some of my best friends. The honesty of the child ego state, because it's all in us. The honesty of that child ego state has to save the day. So we got to all step up and maybe we could pull this off, Tommy. That's my answer. Yeah, it is the, the the sort of innocence of the of the unperverted, unperturbed, childlike mind. You know, absolutely. When you see that, you know, when the child points something out that's just so simple, and it's like, you know, why are they allowed to do that? And you're like, oh, it's you know, because it's a war, and they're like, but isn't killing wrong? And you just have a moment where you're like, yeah, I guess it is. You know, there is kind of children do have that that ability to just kind of cut through the bullshit. It's, it's like they have the honesty of like a couple glasses of whiskey. <laughs> you know, it's like, yeah, she is kind of fat. It's like, well, you're not supposed to say that part out loud, right? You know, this show kind of, you know, whenever you're at like a movie or something, you're like two hours in and somebody just goes, this kind of sucks. And everyone goes, it kind of does suck, right? No one wants this. This meal sucks. Like, I don't want to be here. Like, this, you know, I didn't watch the Super Bowl, but you ever watch the Super Bowl and you're like, this game sucks. I was like, yeah, I don't want to watch it. But you're kind of doing it anyway because it's the Super Bowl. But you're three quarters in. And you're like, dude, this game is terrible. Like I was, I was with uh, two of my best friends a couple of years ago. I think the last time the Patriots were in the Super Bowl, and it was like the lowest scoring Super Bowl of all time. And like we had all taken a day off work the next day so we could get drunk that night, and we had bought a bunch of chips and food, and we're all, you know, we're all there. To, and finally, it was like three quarters in. And I was like, "Dude, do you want to watch South Park?" And I was like, "Yeah, this is terrible." But you, you, really? you yeah, you, but you need that though. Like you have, you have to be able to, and like, like the child, you also have to, you know, it's okay to go, "Yeah, I was wrong." You know, you run to mom and dad, and you go, "I was wrong. I did a wrong thing." 
hey, you come out and you go, hey, I, I fell for it. I was scared shitless. It was a pandemic. I thought it was the end of the world. And yes, yeah, so I was for vaccine mandates, but uh, I, I was wrong. And that's fine. And if someone is willing to say that, you have to also be willing to say, yeah, I, 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 I could have been that too. I could have been, you know, different place, different time. It's, you know, I guess I just refuse to, I refuse to let it all be for naught. Like a well, lot of evil happened. We have to learn something from it. Well, let me, let me give you another, I I don't know why this is, you know, I'm not trying to be religious here, but. Yeah, dude, so what are, we talk about. What no, I'm no, I'm not being religious, but I'm giving metaphor, yeah, metaphor, man, which care. comes from things we value. The mustard seed. Yeah. Let's talk about the mustard seed. So you asked, now this is an answer to, is it all for naught? Well, if, if what we're reading is right and, and I caught on with it. And, and of course, McCullough always is giving key points for us is Thailand, the princess of Thailand. That's your mustard seed. Let me explain. Somehow after a day or two of t- getting one of the shots, she went into a coma. I think she's still in the coma. Somehow the king of Thailand wasn't apprised that this could have been the shot. And it will be, this is the small country. That's what I mean by mustard seed, the smallest of the small. You see where I'm going? What might be the first country to break the contract with Pfizer. Mm. Because they don't want the shots based on what happened to their daughter. The princess, where will it lead? Yeah, it's kind of a... You see where I'm going with? I don't know, but you know, you said... What's it going to take? It's going to take the meat shell inherit. We got to all uh, just hold honesty to our people, sincerity. And we don't want fake, fake ego. A lot of people believe in Jesus and in God, but they do this because they like power. Hmm. They don't, they don't, how shall I say? It was taught by me by a dear friend. Act accordingly, accordingly with what you're supposed to be doing, like the little kid and or the honest adult woman or man act accordingly. Hmm. So I'm praying, I'm hoping we all can just figure this out. There's too much carnage. You're honest, Tommy, your show is great. Your honesty, you know how things, you know, this is straight up, but you know, people will twist my honesty and sincerity. Again, here we go. That's a sin for any man, any government, anybody to twist a man or a woman's sincerity and honesty. Heartfelt honesty is a sin. Again, shame on them. There is peace in um, in knowing that you die. Like there is... You know, you're in high school and it feels like it's going on forever. And then one day it ends and you realize you're not a freshman anymore and those four years that dragged on are over. And then you go into college and the four years don't look as daunting anymore. And you're like, I have a feeling this is going to end one day. And you don't get too caught up in the, the, I don't know, the, the, the social anxiety of it all, of who's hot, who's not, who has the best parties. And then sure enough, college ends one day. And whenever you find yourself in these little moments and as you get older you start to 
you really start to feel it in your bones that like this too shall pass. It stops being a nice phrase and instead you actually start to feel it. Like I don't I don't I don't only understand gravity like in theory. Like I get it. I went to the gym this morning. Gravity's very real. Dumbbells are very heavy. You feel it in your bones. And you know, I'm thirty two now. And I really do feel it in my bones that this too shall pass. And not necessarily, I mean, the pandemic. I mean, my life. Like, this too shall pass. I will be... I will be old on, with a walker one day. I will be an old person. And this will all go away. And when you really sit with that, and it can be anxiety-inducing, but it can also be liberating, it's all going to end. Act accordingly. You can't be bullied by anyone. We're we're all going to the grave. And there's great peace in that. I don't I don't think it's depressing. It can be scary and you know, I was at a funeral two weeks ago and it sucks and I get that. But I do think that there's there's just great peace in it. And knowing that it all ends. Because you can act in any way you want. And not, not and- in a bad way, but courageously. And what your courageousness in our short time on earth, what your courageousness is, is to relieve suffering. Yes. By you having this conversation, by you putting this open forum up, you are giving more information to help the next one learn more. And you are doing, you are acting according with, with our creator and, you should never be in a walker, but you know, if you know, but you'll have this in your head, what you've been doing today. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I want to make up one more shout out to something that's, um, there's some, what I'm concerned about with those that control a narrative or what have you is, is the infighting. There's, there's group, there's people who are critical we all are here to save the world. There's a, there's, there's certain people who believe that there was graphene oxide in the shot. I'm not here to talk about that, but you know, Dr. Ryan Cole is one of my heroes. I didn't mention that. And he, he was at a conference and he mentioned in his pathologic studies, he's very smart. And he, he didn't see that. And he has a right to not see that. He's not, you know what I'm trying to say? So I'm concerned, Tommy, about how we all within the group need to get together. Well, that's... And, and we need to, there's some people who don't agree with each other within this group that we're in. We're a very small group. You know what I'm saying? And I wanted to share that with you. Yeah, you have to, uh, you kind of have to put differences aside. Like... We really need to we, because I've been, and I'm not going to name names, but I just, we, we need to honor each other's observational skills and be on the same page too. And you also have to be aware of, and this isn't, this isn't conspiracy. This is as real as it is. I mean, go back to the early, you know, 1900s with strike breakers and big oil and big whatever, all the way up to, I mean, what, 60s and 70s, the FBI, uh, COINTEL Pro, COINTEL Pro. I mean, I remember learning about that in high school. Yeah, you you infiltrate organizations because it's it's one thing to try to stop something in its tracks. Oftentimes, you you make them martyrs, and they don't like that. 
what they would do with the Ku Klux Klan or with, you know, the civil rights movement or the whatever biker gangs is you don't just stop them. You infiltrate them. You cause infighting. And then you kind of just steer them a little bit this way and that, you know, very until right. they go off you until obscured. Yeah. That's not, that's not tinfoil. That's go read it up. Go Intel Pro. That's exactly what it is. And if you don't think that these companies worth billions of billions of dollars, if you think that their efforts stopped simply at buying politicians and uh, and bribing big tech, you're sorely mistaken. This is as I'm. I just last week or whenever I did, I read Upton Sinclair's The Jungle, which is about like the meat house, meat packing district in Chicago in like 1905 or something. And right now I'm reading his book Oil, which was written in 1920. Now, granted, they're kind of you know fictionalized. But it's talking then about breaking strikes and having infiltrators and having spies. Like, if you don't think they're doing that against the most profitable vaccine rollout of all time, and then there is a group of people fighting against it, if you don't think that there are bad actors in there, then I have a bridge to sell you. This is no conspiracy. This this doesn't happen in some distant land. This is this happens here. Go look it up. Cointel Pro. It's spelled coin. C O I N C S C O I N T E L P O R O Cointel Pro. Go anyone listening. So this isn't me. Go look it up. If you don't think that if it seems kind of odd that there's infighting in some of it, there's always going to be infighting just because humans are humans and you know, even Patton and Eisenhower, you know, went at each other. That's normal. But if it seems a little too dramatic, someone comes on and they're like, and I heard the shots were from aliens, and you go, that that's someone trying to make you look bad. It's, it is what it is. Um, but with that, we are coming up at exactly an hour. Um, Dr. Bain, thank you so much, sir. And, uh, if you could, thank you for having me. Sure, man. I, I know I had on. a lot to say. No, I was... <laughs> no, absolutely. No, you're the best. The worst type of guess is the person that you just pull in teeth. You're like, say something. And yes. No, no, I, no I, it's good. Hey, no, you make my job easy. I like you take it away and get at it you make my job easy um okay i'm glad i made it absolutely no like i told you beforehand no one's ever done the podcast wrong you can't do it wrong if somebody does a podcast wrong they will be the first you can't do it wrong these people who are bad actors as you say they 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 need to look into their children's eyes or their wife or husband's eyes and say like you were saying, I'm gonna I'm gonna bounce off your you you say at the end of the day, what's it gonna be like? You know, we're not gonna be on earth for long. Can they can these people that are bad actors who wanna make the buck, can they really unless they're really so cold and nothing can you know, maybe we need a spiritual ice pick, I said a, a light. A spiritual ice pick of light to get into them to just say Gee, when you look at your son and your daughter, your wife or your husband, can I continue to do this? Can I continue to pull the wool over decent people's eyes? Can I do this? And I hope they have a come to God moment and just do something. Yeah. You got your money. You don't need an extra dollar. Yeah. It's, and man, those people have a, uh, you know, I have hope. It's people can turn around at the last minute. There are people that, you know, find God in their final moments. Even the darkest of souls can can come to the light. 
it's it's all up to you. I mean, you might be an agitator. You might be taking the bribes. But when you're again a sin to to take away somebody's right mm -hmm. and sabotaging their honesty, their their decency, and to gaslight them, that this is. We have a big fight ahead of us, but we got to fight for decency and sincerity and honesty and not just sugarcoat it and give the illusion of propriety. Get it? Yeah. The illusion of propriety. It's either proper or it's not. Yeah. I think, you know, uh, I think it was Joe Rogan that said it years and years ago, and I don't even know if it's his quote or if he's quoting someone else. But we'll tie it into your chihuahuas, and it's tie it into the chihuahuas. Be the person, yes. Be the person your dog thinks you are. Very well stated. Tie it into the chihuahuas. We have we have three now. Um, just to just to say that. Can I keep talking? Yeah. Just just to say that, you know. Um, there have been actually animals that have been getting early cancers and, and the vets don't know why. Oh, shit. Rare cancers. My One of my chihuahuas died of kidney cancer and had kennel cough and, he, and, he, and she was never in a kennel. And and she, it was unusual. Why? Why would they get rare cancers? And so, you know, there's a lot going on with Dr. McCullough talks about shedding. You might have him on again. He might Vaccine talk to you about shedding. shedding. And will animals be the recipients of shedding? Hmm. Because why? I want to say I've got, I had three dogs within a year. One is alive, thank God. Three dogs within a year get cancer. Jeez. Of during this rollout. Three dogs. Hmm. That's weird. So. I don't know what to make of it. So, thank you, Tommy. Yes, sir. Thank you for coming on. Uh, I'd love to do it again sometime. And um... if, if you feel I'm honored, and we all got to stick together. Yes, sir. And uh, thank you for your time. Thank you for your your honesty. And uh, I look forward to the next one, man. Peace. Thank you, sir. God bless, Bye. Dr. Bannon. Recording stop. Thank you so stopped. much. Stay safe, everybody. Peace.